stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So it turns out there's a goblin lurking on the outer edges of our solar system, and there might just be a super Earth as well. The Goblin is the name given to this newly found object, uh, which is officially called 2015 TG387. So TG, the Goblin, and apparently was first observed around Halloween, so the the nickname kind of stuck. But it raises a very fascinating question. At a time when we are able to detect exoplanets around other stars, that we're still in the process of discovering planets that are orbiting our own. So this is a dwarf planet that is well past what we kind of thought of as, you know, the edge of our solar system, that being Pluto. This is well beyond that. Uh, It's got a weird orbit. It's got a very long orbit. But it also offers some tantalizing clues about the so-called Planet Nine or this super Earth that's believed to be lurking way out in the distance as well. So joining us to talk more about this research published uh, yesterday in the Astronomical Journal, very pleased to welcome the program, uh, Scott Shepard, who's an astronomer, staff scientist at the Carnegie Institution for Science in Washington, D.C. Well, Scott, congratulations uh, on this paper and welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, and thanks for having me on. So explain how it is, because it does seem odd to the layman, like me, for example, that we can detect planets that are orbiting other stars, and yet we're still in the dark, figuratively and literally, when it comes to some of these planets potentially orbiting our own star. Uh, yeah, it has to do with the techniques of how we, do, uh, how we discover these objects. So it's also kind of like uh, being in the forest, uh, and you're trying to look for trees that are on the edge of the forest. If you're inside the forest, it's pretty hard to see those trees. But if you were flying over the forest, you'd be able to see all the trees at once a lot easier. Um, so that's kind of what's happening now. Like in, we're inside our own solar system. So looking outwards, it covers the whole sky. We have to search the whole sky looking for these very faint uh, distant objects. And so it takes a, a lot of uh, telescope time to do that. Whereas for planets around other stars, we use very special techniques uh, to find those planets. Uh, we, we, we observe the star uh, for long periods of time, and sometimes a planet will eclipse the star. It'll pass in front of the star, and we can see the star's light dim when that happens, and we can infer that there's a planet there. We can't use those kind of techniques looking for objects that are uh, on the other, in our distant source system because they're away from where our sun is. We can't see the, them pass in front of the sun and, and the sun uh, dip in brightness. So there's, there's different techniques for finding these kind of objects. And what, what does that involve then? Um, so in terms of, for us finding objects, uh, uh, technology has advanced to where we can start finding these very distant objects. In the past, uh, we couldn't do this a few years ago. Um, but uh, like the digital detector, uh, the digital cameras that you're all using on, on your phones these days, we're using the largest uh, digital camera ever created, ever made, and we put that on the back of one of the largest telescopes in the world. So it allows us to look for very faint things that we couldn't do before. And one of the important things is it allows us to cover a big area of sky um, looking for these very faint things, uh, which we couldn't do before. So both looking very faint and covering big areas of sky have allowed us to start uh, uncovering things that we couldn't see before. Well, given how far out these objects are and in, in their their curious orbits, my understanding is that, that finding this one, TG387, that there was a bit of good fortune involved because that, you know, that, that there would be large stretches of time where this would not be visible. Yeah, so it has a very elongated orbit, and it only comes, uh, it's, right now it's two and a half times further out than Pluto is, 
its closest approach to the sun is never closer than two times uh, further out than Pluto is. And we would only see the object for 1% of its orbit. And its orbit is so large, it's a 40,000 year orbit. So it takes 40,000 years to go around the sun once. And we would see it for 1% of that orbit. Otherwise, it'd be uh, too far from the sun and too faint for us to define. So we think we're just finding the tip of the iceberg of these objects. We think there's uh, probably uh, hundreds of thousands of objects uh, that are uh, 100 kilometers or so in size or bigger out there. And does that fit with our understanding of, of how how big a solar system can be, how far out a planet can be and, and still orbit that star? Yeah, so the definition of a solar system is basically where uh, the sun's gravity uh, dominates for over any other forces. So uh, that happens out to about 50,000 astronomical units or 50,000 times the Earth-Sun distance. Uh -huh. And we're only finding these objects now at uh, a few, like basically 100 astronomical units is pretty much what we could see out to. So we're only uh, barely able to see in, into our solar system. There's, it goes out for uh, 10 times further out, and objects out there are just too faint for us to see. Even the, a super-Earth or giant planet that's out that far, um, we're, we're, we find these by scattered sunlight. So the sun's light has to travel all the way out there, reflect off the object, travel all the way back to the Earth. And uh, things get very faint very fast as you move them out there. So even really big things, things bigger than the Earth, uh, are fainter than our all-sky surveys have gone to to date. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the other curious thing here, that, that we're able to find uh, these, these dwarf planets that are much smaller, but this big potential super-Earth is, is more difficult to detect. Uh, yeah, there's only probably one super-Earth, so you just have to hit the right spot of the sky at the right time. <laughs> and we believe the super-Earth is much further out. We think it's uh, ten times further out than this, this object we just found. And so even though it's bigger... Uh, it's much further out, so that makes it actually uh, quite faint. And, and, and there's only one of them, so it's kind of uh, we're kind of shooting. In the, we're literally shooting in the dark here. We're just uh, covering as much sky as we can. But uh, to date, our survey, which has been going for uh, about five years now, we've only covered about 20% of the sky. Uh, but you believe that that's that's out there, that that super Earth. Um, I think it's more likely than not. It's, it's not a guaranteed thing. Uh, we're, we're finding all these smaller objects uh, that continue to align. They have very similarities in their orbits. They're on the same part of the sky that we find them. And that would be unexpected. You expect them to be fairly randomly distributed across the sky. So it's low number of statistics. There's only about uh, 10 objects in total that uh, we can use for this analysis, 10 objects that are so far out there that they don't get uh, perturbed by the known uh, giant planets such as Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, or Neptune. Um, but... Uh, so we hope to find more of these smaller objects, maybe double the sample, and uh, we can be very much more confident in this, in this distant planet. But uh, I'm about 80% sure that there's, a, there's another super-Earth uh, out in our solar system. Right. And it is our solar system, which, you know, it's important to understand. I mean, obviously, those who are hunting for exoplanets around other stars can say, well, you know, aliens might live here. I guess that, that's a little more sexy. But why is it important from your perspective to, to understand what's going on here in, in our own backyard, essentially? Yeah, if we, if we find this object, uh, we'll have to look at its orbit and we'll have to look at what it's made of, its composition. Uh, but uh, we don't believe an object bigger than the Earth, this super-Earth to a giant planet-sized object, can form that far away from the sun. It, it didn't form out there. We believe it, it had to have got out there by some other means. Uh, and the best scenario for that is that uh, it actually probably formed near uh, Jupiter and Saturn, so much closer in to the sun, where there's a lot more material to make a planet from. And I like to call it the runt of the giant family planets. Uh, it probably was forming. It got up to a few uh, times the Earth's mass. And then it got too close to uh, the massive Jupiter and probably got thrown outwards. 
And so it, it got uh, tossed outwards before it could grow to be really big. Uh, and that has very uh, strong implications for how our solar system form, how planets form. Because if, uh, if that object got tossed inward instead of outwards, it would destroy uh, the terrestrial planets as we know them. So Earth and Mars would just not exist if it had been tossed the other way. Yeah. At some point, do we have to kind of redraw our solar system as it were? You know, the maps we all learn as kids that, you know, the order of the planets and how many there are, does it, does it lead to a, a rethink and a redrawing of all of that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's our goal is to keep uh, finding out what is in the unknown. And, uh, yeah, if we, if we have to rewrite the textbooks, then, then we're doing something right. And, uh, yeah, if we find a planet out there, I think all the textbooks will have to be rewritten. Indeed. Well, fascinating stuff. Dr. Shepard, we'll leave it there. Thanks again uh, so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. And uh, here you had a massive snowstorm you're just getting out of. So uh, you're probably <laughs> as cold as the uh, as the goblin is. Yeah, right just now. about. I'll bet. <laughs> Scott, thanks. Appreciate it. There you go. Scott Shepard, uh, astronomer at uh, Carnegie Institution for Science, Washington, D.C., lead author on this paper, uh, published yesterday and getting a lot of attention. You know, calling it the goblin doesn't hurt. So I guess I, I'll go with that. Uh, 2015 TG387 is the official designation. So it lurks out there well past Pluto, whether we should call Pluto a planet. I guess that we were still debating that. Uh, and there may be more out there, which is quite fascinating. 403-974-8255 is a number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.